right, so Meyer, what they do is, if it's like a certain hour, they'll give you like those size cookies, like in that container, Bailey. But they'll do them like half off or whatever, and they're like all straight fresh out of the oven. So you'll get like twelve mix, and you could mix and match. So I'll do half M M&M. and M. No, I'll do some M M&M, and M, some chocolate chip, like some peanut butter, all straight up fresh out of the butt. Like twelve of them for like five bucks, and it's like, did you just say fresh out of the butt? With the first pick in the 2008 WNBA draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candace Parker. With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA draft, the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Rebel Edition, your bi-weekly WNBA podcast brought to you by Sports Ethos and Outlet Pass. My name is Corey. Chris is out this week, but I got Akil and Bailey with me. Guys, what's up? Yeah, not much. Hanging out, kicking it, relaxing. Can't really complain. It's a Monday. Mondays are very, very slow, but I always can look forward to coming on to this and recording and it just gets me through my day because I know that's that's super real. And like I said, I was having a good Monday. Yeah, you know, recording the pod, and it's already you know it's gonna make it a better Monday. Like we really, I had, a, I had a slower day. I had a slower afternoon, so Bailey and I decided to hop on Rebirth on Warzone. There you go, and shoot some teenagers. But yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, I had some fire fried rice that was left over. A good thing that I noticed about fried rice, by the way, fellas and, and people that are out here listening on the said podcast, it holds very well in the fridge. Like it holds extremely well, which is good. Like food that holds well is is great things, especially now since I'm cooking for Uno person. Cooking for Uno is hard. It's a hard thing to do. So I need to figure out recipes that hold in the fridge well. And, and I learned that fried rice is one of them. So, yeah. Interesting. That is that is what we're with this Monday so far. That was quite the intro. Wow. It really, it really, really was. Cool. Uh, to reverse it to you, how are you? You never talk. You never really answer us back. I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, I'm I'm all right. I'm I'm here. My Monday was not as good as y'all's, but it, it I, as you guys said, I was looking forward to this. So that's something. And we're here, and we're gonna have a good show. But anyways, Corey, what, what's on the docket today, sir? So we're actually going to be talking about sophomores. So because especially, Akil, you pitched the topic, but it actually works out really well for what we're kind of doing. Because next week, uh, Carissa and I are going to be kind of going a little bit in on March Madness preview with who could be the rookies, like with a focus on who are some draft prospects for this upcoming draft. So before we get into the potential rookies next week, we are looking at the rookies from last year and kind of projecting forward is kind of like an off season review 
preview type of deal. So I'm yeah. definitely for for a class that wasn't heralded as as anything crazy. I still came away with a lot that I want to talk about, which yeah. I think is a good sign. Yeah, I I think especially us, Corey. Like one big thing that we're very interested in, right, is draft stuff. Like you had you had an old pod where we talked about draft stuff before. Like just younger players coming into professional leagues is something that's very very interesting to me. Um, which is why I kind of post this topic, and we were straight up running out of things to really kind of bring up. And I was like, you know what? We haven't talked about sophomores, so like let's let's kind of do that. Uh, so the first kind of sophomore that we I kind of want to bring up is probably Mick because makes sense she's probably one of my favorite ones out of the whole class from last year and she kind of took me by storm like i was thinking about everybody else and here comes mick just killing it um yeah yeah what what are you looking forward to with with mick coming into next season Uh, i'll go first bailey i i I think that but we're, like so, like I think that it, it's been tough because we didn't really get to see much. She hasn't really played overseas yet because she had the the, the thumb surgery and then a, a broken nose, and so she's getting over to overseas now. But I just want to see her build, right? Because like she was a, a lot of what I liked about what she did is like yes, she was she won Rookie of the Year, but it was because she was kind of filling in around the periphery of everything. It wasn't like she had to be like a dominant solo performer for the Liberty, and I that's what I like about the Liberty is they don't need her to be that but as she grows into that role I think that 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 only benefits them so I even if it's just incremental steps forward I'd like to see where she goes from here I think you're going to see the Liberty as a whole take a step forward and her development is key to that I know that she was one of your favorite players period in the league last year though Bailey so what are you looking forward to with Michaela so I think I think one of the things I'm looking forward to the most with Michaela this year is them having more post presence and Mm -hmm. And allowing her to maybe slot back in at the three position more often, which is probably more naturally her position in a W roster. Obviously, she'll have moments I would expect to see her play the four because she showed that she can do that. But I don't think she'll be asked to do it for as long as she had to last year, which will really help them. Because that was a mismatch that teams picked on a lot. They would throw a bigger post down there on her and just go through her over or over her. And so I'm, I'm interested to see her get back into that three and also, if they'll use her kind of as a point forward, not just necessarily as a spot-up shooter, uh, that was something she did sometimes at UCLA. She would, you know, get a rebound or a steal or a deflection and lead the transition. So I'm curious to see kind of how her role changes as that team has changed just to hair. Not not a whole lot, but marginally and in a way that would allow her to kind of slot back into what more of her natural strengths are on the court. Yeah, to me, like – Mick kind of reminds me of like the she's not elite at anything per se but she's really really good at a lot of different things so she kind of reminds me of like that ultimate glue kind of person like that utility player where you can put her in different spots and because she is so extremely skilled and versatile that she'll pretty much be successful almost anywhere um, so, yeah, being able to see her kind of handle the ball, play a little bit more with the ball in her hands would be fun as well. Uh, so that growth this year 
is going to be very, very exciting to see. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize her alongside Benajah, because I think her and Benajah can have some similar, similar traits. Um, you know, Benajah in college played a lot of forward. Now she slots more as like a two, three, but <laughs> she's known as one of the stronger two threes and they use her like that a lot. And I think Michaela could probably do the same thing. Just it's kind of how she's built and how she plays, but she's not quite there with that. Um, but I think it'd be interesting to see her learn and pick up on some of that, whether it be sealing off on the low block or just working out of the, you know, high elbow, whatever it may be, however they want to use her. Yeah, I I think for me, they're going to be kind of the team of the future, if this makes sense, where I feel like they'll just have a ton of ball handlers and playmakers, where it's like Sabrina, Benaja, Mick even, like they'll be able to do a ton of really, really fun things where maybe one play it's Mick handling the ball. And then you got both Sabrina and Menage off ball. And then the next play, it's the same exact thing, but it's flipped like those three. It's just a ton of versatility up top, which I really like. It's funny that you said that, Bailey, because that's exactly what I was going to ask was, do you think that, Given the duplicitous way the two of them play, do you think that that is something that you want them sharing the court all times? What, or do you want them like staggered more? Because I, obviously, I think they can play together, but is the roster, are you better utilizing the talent on the roster if you stagger those two as opposed to playing them together? Because they are very, if, if Michaela hits her peak, I think that, I mean, Laney's a good peak for her to hit, right? An all-star player, a, 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 one of the better players in the league, one of the more versatile players in the league. But that's the archetype, right? Somewhat. I would say I would say Benizer with a sprinkle of more playmaking, maybe take mm-hmm. a little bit off the scoring punch that Benizer brings. Uh, that's kind of what I would see. But I, I think you make a valid point about having him on the court at the same time. Not necessarily – from maybe a redundancy standpoint, but, you know, just how do you utilize them both? Because while, while Michaela kind of started strong as a spot-up shooter last year, she she definitely saw a decrease down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And while you can attribute that to a handful of things, I mean, rookie rookie year, getting used to the, the pace and the stamina and everything, maybe she just got tired. Um, but it's something that, you know, if she's not shooting the ball consistently as a spot-up threat, how do you incorporate her beside Benaja and Sabrina, especially, and still have her be effective? What role does that slot her into? And their offense was very spaced, very built on cuts and getting shooters open, lots of motion. But it's not Walt Hopkins anymore either. So I think there's a lot of potential there, but I'm not sure what to really expect off of that. But I do think they're in a very good situation to repeat on last year's success. And they'll be a bet. I'll, I'll put it in, in words now. They'll be a better team, but they may look different when they play. Yeah, that's that's very, very fair. Uh, I think another team, same team, actually. I don't know why I said another team. Uh, but there's another player on the exact same basketball team who was also a very, very good sophomore. Uh, D.D. Richards. Uh, Bailey, I know you're a big D.D. fan, uh, so I'll, we'll let you go first, and then we'll kind of get in where we fill in. 
I love how you're you're the host now. You know, shout out. I appreciate to, it. Yeah, shout out to Akil taking over the flow for a minute. You know, this is the growth. This is this is the growth of the pod. But, but yeah, Didi had a really strong season. Obviously, uh, she came on a little late. Didn't quite see the consistent minutes until later down the stretch, but displayed a better shooting touch than as advertised. Displayed the defense we all knew to expect from her, and she's also in a similar position she's a little bit bigger guard and can play multiple positions she displayed flashes when they ran her as kind of like a lead guard with those bench units and kind of staggered with a few starters and looked pretty decent there I think she's another very fascinating prospect for a team that has I wouldn't say lots of fascinating prospects because they have moved into a more uh, veteran roster they're still a younger team uh but not what they were like two years ago when they started like seven rookies oh absolutely yeah but they um they they have a lot of uh fascinating fits uh they could they could really like you said you talked about being the team of the future i think they absolutely could change a lot of dynamics in the w we talked about the sky last year going with skilled size well maybe the the Liberty build with a bunch of tweeners. Yeah. You you kind of stole my, you kind of stole my flow. Yeah. I was, I was going to get into that. Right. Cause like DD is very, very similar to Mick in the same way where like they could probably play anything one through kind of three. Like you don't want them really near the post at all on that four or five slot, but they basically any perimeter possession one through three, they could probably do any of that in some way, shape or form. So they'll be kind of like, hopefully, in the best way possible. And there is downsides to that where you don't master it, right? Because like some players might feel more uncomfortable. Like they don't know where their touches are coming from. Like they don't know where their positioning is. But like in a perfect world, like they could be like this shape-shifting kind of weird, funky team where they don't have like an assigned point guard. And it's just like whoever feels like being a point guard for stretches bees a point guard, right? Like, that's a very, very fun thing to see, and that hasn't really happened yet in the W. Could could the New York Liberty be like that first team where it's just like, all right, let's just play multiple ball handlers out here and decision makers and kind of see what happens at those guard spots because that hasn't really been a thing before. Well, well, I think it's important to specify when you say multiple, like it could theoretically be like four because we we, we saw like the sky last year have like Sloot and Candace on the court at the same yeah. time. You know, so we've seen like technically multiple but if you're talking like four out of five, yeah, not, that's that's that's, a, bigger that's, thing. Un, that's a little unprecedented. I, I, that clarification I think is important to make because we, like I said, we've talked about the sky and we've talked about the sun, like going super big, and you know just different teams doing different things. But the the Liberty are kind of building something that it's it's never before seen. Corey, what what do you think about it? I'm really interested. I think that. Didi is one of the three sophomores that we're going to talk about today that I think has a chance to be an all defensive team player somewhere down the line. So I think that like, I, I think that's something, not that Michaela does not bring it on the defensive end of the floor, but to me, Didi is just on another level for most young prospects. I, I think that she has that, that kind of talent that is something that I like, like the combination of the two of them is the rookies that they had last year. And I think that, like you said, Bailey, it's not like a couple of years ago where they have like seven rookies on the team, but 
it, you can still tell that when they hit, they hit. And I, I feel like they really hit on those two last year. And it just builds that foundation. It, it's one of these things that we say for these younger teams that you only have to hit a few times, but when you do, it makes, it makes it so that you're able to be this team of the future much easier. And they're not doing things like where like building an older style, they're hitting on a number of players while also, also building a much more modern kind of revolutionary system. So I'm very interested to see where Didi goes next. I thought it was interesting that she did not play overseas. Uh, she chose to stay home and work on her game and work on her off-court stuff and uh, you know get your money any way you can. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna falter for that. But I'm interested to see what kind of uh, a lot of the things that we saw, especially last season, I felt like was really hammered home was that a lot of these rookies were going to have to go overseas to develop, and she chose to stay home and develop. So I'll be interested to see the steps forward that she takes. But I mean, she's one of the more inspirational stories in the league. So yeah, she was also like. A 45% three-point shooter this year. Yeah. and But, like, once again, we've talked about other players who, who are at that high of a percentage, but it's not on volume at all, right? Like, it's not even a, an attempt. It's 0.7 attempts, so she's 0.3 out of 0.7. Uh, so it's not like she can't shoot. Like, it's clearly somewhat of it's there. It's just a lot unproven. So maybe we see some more of that with a little bit of volume. But this team going forward is going to be interesting because I have a lot of pieces that I really, really like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. You could go to a different team. It's your favorite team in the world, Corey. Charlie and your Dallas Wings. Your very own Dallas Wings. They are not my team, but I I, I would like to actually talk about the Dallas Wings sophomore. So I'm, I'm with it. Hey, you know what? I'm dropping the mic. I'm passing it back over to you. I'm cueing the ether beat. Um, go ahead. You <laughs> no. You talk, you talk about the Dallas Wings and their. Oh, this this is going to be positive. This is a walk talk. Yeah. Well, so that's what it is, right? Is that I think that it was the issue that I had with them making those two specific picks before last season, and I think that all you like you just have to pick one because they're not the kind. I don't think that either. Like realistically, I don't think that you can play both of them together, especially on a team has Isabel Harrison and Kayla Thornton and, and it's just not reasonable, but a walk's been, I mean, for the first like month or so, I think she was over there overseas. I think she was averaging a double double while also blocking like two and a half shots per game. You're seeing that development there for a walk. I've, I've said it on here before and I, I, I will say it again. I think that she is a future defensive player of the year in this league. So I'm interested to see what they do with Charlie. Like Charlie's played. Okay over in Italy, but it was the biggest gripe that I had last season. They prioritized making the playoffs instead of developing either of these players. And now we're at the beginning of their second season, and I know what I think, but I mean, I actually have to see it to know what's actually going to happen. I think that splitting them up, like moving on from one of them is actually probably best for everyone involved, best for Charlie, best for yeah, it's the most beneficial thing for both of those players. And for Dallas. Like, I think that like, if yeah. you're Dallas and you want this to work out, you have to prioritize. Like, all jokes aside, they, they committed all this money to um, Arike. You have to kind of fit in across the margins. They were, they were a cap-strapped team coming in, and you've committed being cap-strapped for the foreseeable future. You have to work on the periphery here, and I don't think having – two of your young players be centers is a good way to really do that. I think you have to kind of try to get a little bit more creative. So 
I, I think maybe shipping her one of them out as, as well as maybe another contract or something to kind of make all the money work or like, yeah, I think that what, what is going to end up happening is one of these two players plus a contract plus a pick or two, because I can't roster all their picks. I think a trade is coming and I think that it's going to be like a sizable trade. I don't know who that is yet, whether it's somebody from Indiana, if they would like to take a chance on a Charlie or an walk or one of the picks in this draft. I just, for a player that I'm not going to be on the, the episode later this week where we're giving out flowers, but like if they could get somebody like a Pierre McCowan, like if, if you're going to, like, I just, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to expect from Dallas, but that's what we're here for. We're here to talk about their, their sophomores. And I think both of them are viable prospects. Yeah. My, my biggest beef with the whole Charlie thing is that she really got no leash in my opinion to no. be able to grow if you're a rookie big in the w like that's probably one of the hardest positions to kind of grow at and you're just gonna be bad defensively a lot of nights like you just will it's like natural it's not really your fault it's just Adjustment to basketball, you don't really know what's going on. You're younger, you just get abused, basically. That's what it is. Um, For her to get pulled as quick as she did for foul trouble for me made kind of zero sense because she doesn't get to learn through her mistakes that much. But then on the back end to be like, she's getting pulled for foul trouble because she's immature and young. It's like, well, you're not playing her. So it's like... (laughs) what's kind of going on here is is the confusing thing for me yeah i'm a big proponent of players earning their minutes like i I get it you have to like if you're playing poorly you don't get played or whatever but like also at the same time you have to develop your players and it like it it always felt like the burden was not just that she struggled on defense it's oh she got cooked by britney griner so we have to take her out Okay, so does everyone in the league? Everyone. Yeah, in the league it was like also like Griner. the it was like the marquee centers. Like people were like, "Oh, I." And this is no disrespect to Drew because Drew is good. People's we're all fans. Like, I still remember this. It was yeah. I remember on a pod last year, it was like Charlie was getting cooked by Sylvia Fowles, and I'm like, "Bro, what are we doing here?" Like, if you're, if you're gonna bench everyone that gets spent, like, gets cooked by like Sylvia if Fowles. that's if that's your bar, like it's getting cooked by like a top ten all time player in the history of basketball. Like, I don't, I just don't know what we're doing here. Like, it is what it is. What it is. Bailey, any any thoughts? Y'all are pretty much saying everything that I've thought about the wings. We've talked about them really extensively. I mean, really, really, really extensively throughout the year, and not a whole lot has changed. I mean, I think everyone, like, when I, I mean, I knew Charlie was flawed coming into the draft. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knew that she was going to have some growing pains, not only as a big in the W, like you mentioned, but just, you know, the type of player she was. There was going to be some things that she had to work through that were – that weren't like new new developments, right? Like there were things that we saw about her in college that pretty much showed, like, yes, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna have a time at the W with certain players, but like you said, there wasn't much of a leash. And it it goes back to what Corey likes to talk about is the the wings making their choice to try to make it into the playoffs, which they did, but you know. Did they really like 
it's not the kind of not really the greatest playoff appearance that you could have, but all all things aside, like they made that choice and it seems like Charlie was kind of caught in the middle of that. And, and then, you know, the court to, to transition to a lot, like you pick both of them and both of them are like projects. And I mean that in just a respectful manner, like they both have, they need to develop. They're not super polished and ready, but they also are very, tantalizing prospects they they could be really good they were one and two for a reason but they gotta see the court they gotta see the court it's that simple and the wings just ain't really want to let them see the court so it's really hard to gauge their rookie years but you can see the potential in both of them on given nights like there were some nights where charlie would come in i I remember specifically a game against the sparks she was just in there grabbing like every rebound. She had like 12 in like 15 minutes. Seemed like she was grabbing like every rebound. And then had a great first half and then just like didn't play. I'm just like, what is going on? So well, side note, really- we we finally found the uh I said earlier today, Bailey, that I'm looking for a film article to do for the W. Yeah. Charlie on a walk it is because I think it's something we have to look at. Like you said, I I it's, it would be one thing if they were the NBA and the, they had the G League. So you like because I, I like I, even if you don't think they deserve minutes on the main squad, you have to get them reps. If they're a project, you have to get them reps. Right. And just parking them at the end of the bench and maybe giving them five minutes a night is not like it's not helping anybody. And mm-hmm. I, I it was my biggest gripe was just well they'll develop overseas. That's what that's what that's for. It's like we we we've talked ad nauseum, especially over the off season about the ways that WNBA can get out of its own way is to start treating it like it's the league you have to watch, start treating it like it's the league where they develop their players, start treating it like where this is where everything happens. And when you just defer all of these things, like, you know, sidelining your top two picks, because eh, we got to get into the playoffs at seven games under 500. Why would the fans buy into that? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's very frustrating to me. I, I know that, uh, we're not talking necessarily about the newsy stuff of the week, but a player says a player said on Twitter last week for a reason that the WNBA is sometimes its own worst enemy. Yeah. If we could transition to a walk, she's a unicorn, man. Like I I do genuinely believe this. Like she has a potential to be like an all defensive type player. Uh-huh. And there, and I don't like to do the comparison to like the NBA at all. Like we we try to avoid that, but like there's some Evan Mobley ish type stuff in there. Like I remember watching that. Did she have like was it five blocks, six blocks? That sounds six. right. Six, six. Like I remember watching that six blocks game, and I was like, man, that's that's special stuff. Like, she was getting out on switches and guarding guards extremely well and, like, meeting them at the rim at point of attack stuff and, like... Well, it's a lot of the same fluidity, too, and that's why, yeah. I, like, I like the Mobley comparison yeah, to an extent. Is that... It doesn't look awkward at all. Like, it just looks, like, normal. She's so fluid at times where it's just, yeah. like, the recovery is insane where she can, like, if she comes up to, like, the, the top of the key and she misses... It's all she literally has to do is like turn slightly. And because of her length, she's able to block it at the rim. Like it's, 
it's insane what she's capable of. Yeah, and I think some of it is she's so naturally talented, right? Like, yeah, she kind of relies on that. So, like, she'll like sometimes she'll get herself out of position, but then it's just like, oh, I'm out of position here. Like, let me be a freak and make up for this in zero point five seconds. But if she, like, figures out, like, the actual kind of mental stuff and, like, the body positioning to the point where she's just never out of position. Like, okay, that's where we're cooking. Uh, so I I think we're all on the same team here. Like, if we're deciding to build between, like, two people, between Charlie and Awak, like, I think with all due respect to Charlie, like, she can be a very, very good basketball player. A walk's just built different, man. Like, she just is. And yeah, it's I'll that be, simple. I'll be completely honest, and obviously I've been pretty anti-Dallas on this. Not even anti, but a little bit more critical of Dallas than our former co-host would have liked. But I genuinely believe if healthy and uh, the coaching staff puts everyone in a position to succeed, there's a real chance that in three or four years, a walk and Sato are the two players taking Dallas deeper into the playoffs. And Enrique is able to be there and be that sup- like not supplementary because that's dismissive, but like, like you could see her being like on a, on a lot of nights, the third option or like the second option on offense, but like with the impact that a walk brings on the defensive end, like the third most important player. And I think that's for the franchise, that's the best possible thing that could happen because mm-hmm. When Satu is healthy, you can tell that she's a star. And if you have a front court uh, of just a- of athletic potential of Satu and next to um, a walk, like that's absurd. And then like interchange in Izzy Harrison, like it's there's so many options there if you just give her the time to develop. That I think that I mean it's going to take time. I think that a walk is still probably a couple years away from being that elite, elite, elite level player, but it's worth the investment because I think she could really change this franchise. She can change the league. I mean, I'm not arguing that. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with that. What team do we want to hit up next fellas? Where are we going? Uh, I want to go to, I want to go to Bailey's team. The Sparks? What are you going to ask? Uh, well, you are a season ticket holder for the Atlanta Dream, and we'll get to them later. That's my local market, bro. We've established uh, this. Yeah, well, I actually want to talk about them later, but I do also want to talk about two actual sophomores for the Sparks. Okay. Uh, one of them I, I have a little bit of notes on, but the other one I'm basically just going to kick it to you because it's someone that you and I have DM'd about a little bit, and like it, it's similar in how we're excited for I, – I didn't put Renaya Davis from Minnesota on this list because she didn't play last year, but – Jasmine Walker did, and mm-hmm. so she falls into this category, albeit a limited si- a rookie season. I don't know when exactly do, – do we know when she's going to be back on the court? And that's an important piece that I feel like is not getting covered enough. Yeah, as far as I know, she'll be back at the start of the year. I haven't heard anything uh, that says she's not going to be. She's been doing some team events and stuff that's something that you have to be extremely excited about, right? Because like you have this big shiny off season and all of the focus is on that and NECA and maybe Shanae coming back and we'll get to Arella in a little bit, but I feel like Jasmine Walker is being slept on. And and if she comes back healthy, like she showed in in a short stint last year that she could be an extremely productive player. Yeah. She's, she's a flamethrower. 
For a team that struggled offensively last year, that's kind of nice to add back into the fold. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely that. I do think there's still a bit of a log jam on the roster, but that's neither here nor there. She has a chance to really be something special as kind of like a a 3 and D forward type role. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a stretch, a, a stretch big, but also a really solid defender. That's what she was in college. And then she showed... She showed the the scoring touch in the preseason and in her limited time in the regular season, but that's that's definitely a fascinating prospect going forward. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that in a few years the Sparks are led by the trio of Kennedy Arella and Jasmine Walker, and I think that's a really pretty good prospect, uh, if I do say so myself. And so. Not many people are talking about her because she's very low-key and quiet, even by herself. She did an, her exit interview last year. It was just super chill, um, really, really just kind of quiet, just there, answered her questions, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's she – I was um, unsure about the move when they got her. But when they – you know, we started to see her play and what she can be – I'm I'm with it. Just got to see her get back healthy, which I don't know. It's weird. It's I always feel like it's better to get injured early if you're going to get injured. Um, so I, I don't really think that will affect her long term like it would if it was later in her career. So we'll see how she bounces back. Um, I do remember her saying she had been around talking to the vets and things and still trying to learn what she could. So that's always good. And like I said, I'm not too certain about how the rotations are going to shape out this year, but the minutes will be there because somebody's got to shoot the ball. I don't really know how else to put it. I didn't have many thoughts on her. I just want because, like, like I said, not only are not a lot of people talking about her. If I didn't talk to you, I don't think I because like she did disappear so early on in the season Mm -hmm. and for an unheralded rookie class, whenever you disappear like that, it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle, but I wanted to make sure that we talked about her because she is one of those intriguing swing prospects. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you have anything else on Jasmine Walker before we talk about the other spark player? going to be honest. Nah, Nah. she is the kind of sophomore that falls through the cracks. Absolutely. But I think, I think the other sophomore on, on the sparks is going to have a hashtag redemption tour. Uh, from falling to, I forget what pick she fell to, uh, but all the way. Huh? 22nd. 22nd. Crazy. Yeah, I think Arella. Puerto Rican basketball. Yeah, Arella's coming back. Uh, I think she's coming out with a vengeance this year. I thought she had a good first year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but this is your team. And I like, I think that, like I said, like all joking aside, like she looks like she's the new face of, like the Puerto Rican national team, which is really cool. Yeah, and yeah. like, obviously that doesn't necessarily matter for your team, but it's no, it showing. Matters. Yeah. That's what I like. I mean, it's not like it, it doesn't necessarily directly translate to the encore product, but it's a level of confidence and, and she's shown over there that she can be a pretty transcendent scorer at times. I'm interested to see how she fits in with the rest of the roster as it's changing, but you got to feel really good about Arella. Oh, yeah. I'm super high on Arella. Like, y'all see me tweet about her all the time. I said she's going to be the next spark to win MVP. And I will stand by that. I I think 
last year you saw flashes of it. We saw it in her college days. She can affect the game in in every aspect, defensively, offensively, as a playmaker, as a scorer. Like, whatever you want her to do, she can do it. She's a shooter. She showed flashes last year of that already. And while the minutes were a bit inconsistent at times, I do think this year there will be a spot for her because, in my eyes, the biggest gap on the roster falls in the middle. There's a lot of guards and a lot of bigs. There's not a lot of in-between. When I look at the three spot, I see, like, Arella and Katie Lou, and that's really all I see. And so, to me personally, I say get a spot to Arella. Um, I, I think we'll see a lot of three guard sets. I can see Katie Lou spending more time at the four. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Arella. She had a good last year. The one thing that really stuck out to me is that she never seemed to be overrun by the pace of the game. She was always really under control. She picked and chose her spots really well. And it was cool to see her get in and her and Tay are tight. And she was, she talked about the vets a lot uh, in her interviews and things. So I think it's a really good fit. I really don't still can't really fathom why she slipped to 22nd in that weird draft, but I'm happy that she's in LA. And if there, I don't know if there's a, any way I could be more all in on Arella. So I think um, all the reps overseas and with Puerto Rico national team are going to help her. She was absolutely hooping in Europe. Like seemed like every time I hop on Twitter, Oh, Arella put up 27, 11 and eight today, just kind of casually. I'm just like, okay, y'all see it. And, and I'm a believer that that work is going to show. So I don't know if there was a sophomore of the year, I'd place my bet. I'm with it. I'm with it. All right. Do we want to talk about the team that Bailey has a season ticket holding to? Yeah. Do y'all have any thoughts about the Sparks before we keep moving? I I think once again, like if you just looked at her stats from like last season, I feel like they could kind of lie to you a little bit, like production wise. Because I mean, twenty seven percent from the field, twenty two percent for three. Like, I feel like that's kind of a little misleading um, at times. Well, well, before we move, there's another spark that's only played, like, half of a regular season worth of games. Does she count? I don't think so, but go ahead. I mean, I just know, Corey, you really like one Kennedy Carter. So I, I yeah. do, and that, that, that's the smart transition point into Atlanta. I'm, I'm very – you're right. I mean, she's played, what – 18 games so far something, or something like that so, yeah so I, I, i'm very very interested <laughs> yeah but for sure um atlanta atl the dirty south our favorite city in america whatever you want to call them they have a they have a sophomore there that i think could have maybe won rookie of the year but they came on a little too late uh like they had a very very strong second half uh airy mcdonald and hash brown oh hash brown my bad hash no, no, no 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 i love i love calling her hash brown you don't have to i was just okay. my, i love that nickname okay for sure uh but atl made a choice right like they clearly shipped off kennedy uh over to your real team uh said los angeles sparks from before but now it's just build around airy 
Um, and I, for one, very excited for that because she was a ton of fun to watch tournament time in the second half of last year. And now we get a full year under her belt where it's just like we get to focus on that. Yeah, that's that's really exciting, and I'm 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 all in on that. Uh, Bailey, thoughts, actions, comments, concerns. I would say an increased opportunity for Ari McDonald should be scary for the league because I thought last year every time she touched the floor, which was a lot less consistent than I thought it should have been, she looked really good especially to be at that guard spot, which I would say is probably, if I had to take a guess, I would say it's probably the hardest position in the W to trans, uh, translate over to. Um, I've heard people talk about how difficult it is going from that position in college to the pros. And I, I don't really remember watching any of the dream games and saying that was a really, really bad rookie moment by Ari. She just really kind of came in and did what she did in college. She would provide a scoring punch. She would play some really fierce defense, do a little playmaking. And it just happened that there was a lot of guards on the roster and then coaching changes and, you know, all the stuff going on with the dream kind of, I don't want to say limited or shine, but kind of limited opportunity to shine. But this year the opportunity will be more present. And I think she is super ready for it. Super ready for it. Yeah, I, I think that – so, like, we came into last season and we were very confused by the 50 because as much as we all liked Aerie in the draft, it's – you have Kennedy, you have Courtney Williams, you have Odyssey Sims. Like, where is I, – I picked her as my preseason rookie of the year, and even at the time I remember us talking about it being like, does this make sense? Because is she even going to be able to get run in this team? Because as good as she is, there's just so many guards. And – I know there was a stat that we threw out a lot during the season last year, Bailey, where she was the best minute, best statistical rookie from a minute to minute standpoint. Very but that was, that was not enough to overcome the overall case that Michaela and they had. But I, all those guards are gone now. I mean, Courtney Williams is in Connecticut. Kennedy Carter is in LA. Odyssey Sims, I believe, remains unsigned. But she does. I like if if this is just Ari starting getting thirty minutes a game from day one. I know you already said that you had a bet for sophomore of the year or whatever, but and I understand that I'm not taking anything away from Morella, but I just think an unleashed Ari could. I mean, we already saw what she could be from a minute to minute basis before if she can right. keep that kind of trajectory, but like actually get the minutes she deserves now. I don't know if Atlanta's going to win a lot of games, but I think she could be extremely productive. Yeah, no, I, I think you can see more of what she'll be long-term as a W player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we watched her Will Arizona in college really carry a load. And I think she could be a great leader at that at the point guard position for Atlanta in the future if she decides to stay there long-term. And I think they should do everything in their power to make it her show. Like, they really should. And You know, last year, like, one of my favorite things that they did whenever they would tweet about her, like, they would say scary hours, but they would put her name in it. And, like, that's a really, really good, like, marketing thing. Yeah. And, like, a cool hashtag. Like, they should – I think they should – I mean, I know they have Tip Hayes on a one-year 
and she's like the longest tenured player, I think, there now. And you got Mo Billings back, but in terms of next step, like get the keys to Ari, man. Ari, the person you draft in this draft, it's their team now. Especially that they didn't do um, didn't do as many of the big offseason moves as we expected. Like, hand her the keys, let let it ride, just ride ride that wave, and be ready for the inevitable bumps and bruises. But let's go, like let's just let's go, like you you on the rebuild train, pretty much. Let the people you're building on the rebuild, like focus on them on the rebuild, like let them do it. I think it's important because we focused on when they got dampened over from Vegas as their new general manager. We looked at it as this could be the way that they bring in some starry names because he has the connections. But the other thing he's known for is building a team that had three consecutive, three consecutive number one picks. And I'm not saying that's what the dream are going to be, but he's also shown that he can build through the draft and, and say what you will about a Jackie young, but like getting three serviceable at minimum starters, but you also like when I say serviceable at minimum, Jack Young was serviceable. Asia Wilson's an MVP and Kelsey Plum is sixth woman of the year. Right. He's a man that knows how to build a team either through free agency or through the draft. And I think that using both of those avenues to build around Aerie is the evolution for this Atlanta dream team. I'm with that. I'm rolling. And Dan also understands how to be patient. Like sure does. You know, the Aces got Liz when they felt it was time to take that leap. They didn't do it too soon. They didn't do it too late. But then they also let her walk when they felt like it was done. Like, that in sports, there's a lot of value to that. Picking and choosing your windows and understanding your timelines. And for a team like the Dream, who so desperately needed to hit the reset button, really great fit. Very fascinating fit. Yeah, Um yeah, I agree. I'm with that. Any any honorable mention kind of sophomores? Yeah, I got one more. Does anybody else have any more? I was going to bring up two. I was going to bring up Kaiser. Okay. Um let's be honest, getting drafted to Indiana is kind of a death sentence with all due respect to the Indiana Fever. Not the best thing for your career. She basically, in my opinion, um, kind of gets a fresh start. Like going to a championship team, a uh, team with an actual culture, a team with actual productive vets, a team with an actual coach slash GM. That's all really good things. Uh, so I'm excited to see her hopefully turn over the new leaf and, and be a productive member of such Chicago Sky because I think she deserves it. Yeah, I, I think that if it's funny, if you had told us after, like the day after the draft last year, to don't tell me what Chicago drafted, but tell me, like, don't tell me, like, any of the moves, any of that. If you tell me they ended up with Kaiser Gondrzyk and Dana Evans, that feels like a really good draft. Instead, they had to go about this big, weird way that they got there and, and Indiana being Indiana. But I, I, I mean, we liked Dana Evans last year. We thought that once she got moved to there it, it started to make some sense and I, i'm not saying kaiser's gonna figure it all out we, who knows but i'm much more intrigued by her situation this season being there because i do think some rookies need to be or some young players need to be in a position in a position where they can just let the reins off and kind of 
sink or swim. And some need to be put in a position where they can be developed and, and kind of play to their strengths. And I think that that's guys here. I think Chicago can do that. So I'm intrigued to see what happens. I'm with that. Yeah. I, I think it'll be good for her to hit a, I don't want to say a reset button because I think it's a little soon to call it a reset button, uh, just to get in a new situation and learn from different vets. And like Akil said, being in a, a different environment, uh, different culture coming off a championship, just even if she doesn't play a lot, even if she doesn't get a lot of reps in the game, like she's, if she goes in there with the mentality of being a sponge, like, She'll be miles ahead of where she's where she came in. Oh, to the, absolutely, absolutely. It's to, just to the league. So yeah, and I, I kind of met it more in that way than basketball wise, because like once again, they're so loaded. Who knows if there's going to be minutes there for her? Like that is just way the way the cookie crumbles, right? Like there's just there's only so many minutes in a basketball game. But, yeah, but she could be in that Lexi Brown role. Not not, not not that she plays the same way, but like not brought in every game, but there to soak things up and, and kind of feed off the culture. And, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Talk about right, how like, that was handled, but yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the biggest thing for her is like, she'll get a chance to absorb what they got going on down there, which in and of itself is, is a win and very yes. productive situation to be in. And it, it's invaluable. For sure. It is. Having good, having good vets when you're a rookie is a very, very good thing. Absolutely. Bailey, who were your two that you had? Uh, you touched on one of them in Dana. I was, I'm really looking forward to year two for Dana, especially after getting to Chicago, where a lot of people thought she was going to end up in the draft. Very, very good place for her to be. They, She seems to really like it there. It's nearby her home. Just really, really good fit all around. Played a really good role off the bench there throughout the season. Uh, learning from Sloot and Allie Quigley and Candice, it's just – I think it's a really good position for Dana. And I think that she could eventually turn into like kind of a, a a Vanderquig hybrid type thing, like a really solid guard who can shoot really well and play make really well, but also be off the ball. If she needs to be, um, you know, she really showed a great shooting touch, had some really electrifying moments shooting the ball throughout the year. And so I think that's really cool to see her get a chance to to be there from the beginning. And then I was going to touch on DGNA. That was my last one, yeah, so go in, for in it. Connecticut had a really strong showing in AU. And even when she was overseas before AU was having really great showings, Connecticut is another one of those teams that the roster is very interested and in, interesting. Pardon me. I'm very curious to see how her minutes shape out and her role changes this year but i'm definitely definitely excited to see what we get out of dna this year in connecticut and i'm really interested to see what levels of trust she gains from kurt miller yeah no that's essential it's like there was a lot of times throughout the year and obviously it was very tough to complain about things during the regular season for the sun because they were so dominant but it was one of those things that's like what is she doing that is not really he he kept the bench really short and you would have loved to see her get some time and and kind of be able to develop a little bit more but and like she's the third player that i mentioned before that i thought that there were three rookies in this class that could be 
all defensive team players. And she's the third. I think that she can really bring it on that. And, and really like, it's tough because that was, that's kind of what Connecticut is known for in the sense that, I mean, they had to, I think they had two all defensive team players last year, three or something like that. Like that's, so it's tough to even crack first team all defense on your own team and a team like this, but she's, she's really talented on that. And, And seeing her develop as a scorer, both in AU and overseas is really like, I mean, obviously you saw that she could score whenever she was in college, but seeing her continue to do that at a different professional level, I think is promising in, in the sense that if Connecticut doesn't win it all this year, which spoiler, I don't think any of us think they're going to, a shakeup is coming. And I think that she's the kind of player that could benefit from that shakeup in the future. And I think showing that throughout the year as she earns Kurt Miller's trust is, is going to be essential for the, the future of this team. Very, oh. very. Yeah. Oh, maybe you guys touch on this in the later episode when he touch about AU. I'm interested to see what AU does for Dijonay from a confidence standpoint. Like, maybe she comes in feeling really, really, really good about her game. Like, maybe that happens and then she's just a brand new, not brand new player, but like, she's just taken off sky high and she's playing extremely well. Like, I can absolutely see that happening. Uh, so yeah, once again, Dijonay is so good and can't wait to see everything that she accomplishes next year. For sure. For sure. But I think that does it. Like, I, I mean, that, that, I think that's, what's kind of the most impressive thing is that we came into last draft being like, was it, is there ever going to be that much to talk about? It was a down class. We just spent more than an hour talking about 10 players from a class that people were not all that thrilled with. I think there's a lot of promise here and there is like, it's not, I don't know that there's any like all-star all-stars or anything like that, but I think there's a lot of very interesting players that could, I mean, beyond contending teams for the next decade. So, yeah. so before we, before we get out of here, I want to pose a question to y'all. Sure. Uh, we, we jokingly brought up a sophomore of the year award, but in a hypothetical world out of all the sophomores that we brought up, there's a sophomore of the year award. Who's who's your winner, uh, Corey? Uh, I'm going to go with Ari, but if you ask me which sophomore I wanted on my team for the next 10 years, it's a walk queer. All right, that's that's fair. Um, Bailey, who's your sophomore of the year award winner? I already answered that. Give me a Rella. All right, fair. Um, I promise you I don't know if I've ever been higher on a rookie. I love that. Was- I really you you have a lot of faith in Arella, which I, I love. I do. I do. I yeah, do. man. Corey, Corey kind of stole my answer. If I had to go for a rookie, it'd probably be Aerie, just because of the simple fact that she just has a volume now. <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's basically her show. So she'll get a lot of shots attempts. She'll get the ball in her hands a lot more. Um, she'll just have a lot of room to cook and with more volume comes more opportunity. So her numbers are going to go up by quite a bit. So for I'd sure go, I'd go, I'd go one hash Brown. I'd go hash Brown. Well, that does it for this episode later this week. We'll be kind of wrapping up on the AU season that just finished up next week. We'll kind of, I'm not sure what we'll do in the Monday pod next week, uh, but a preview for the later in the week pod next week, uh, Carissa and I will be sitting down and talking about, I said this at the top of the show, but talking about uh, like the top draft prospects 
for the 2022 draft ahead of March Madness. We're getting into that, that time of the year. So we wanted to kind of give a preview for it's basically be Carissa saying, hey, I know you don't watch college basketball. So let me give you a little bit of a viewer guide <laughs> for if you if you want to tune into certain tournament games. A guy like me who only really tunes in for draft on both the men's and women's side for what, how it's going to affect the draft. Here's who you need to check out. So I think that's a kind of interesting way because I know a lot of our like a lot of other podcasts are, are much more involved with the college game than we are. But as a novice fan of the college game like I am, I like having that little viewership guide. So I thought that was something to look forward to. But we'll catch you next week on Rebel Edition.